fell on like a bed of corn stalks. And when she fell, she was completely unconsolable. She didn't want to stand. And she was just basically throwing this major fit, which Kenzie very rarely threw a tantrum. So this was totally unlike her. And then she sat down on the floor and was trying to take her rain boots off. And she was having a really hard time. It was like her hands weren't going to where her actual boots were on her feet. Like she was having a hard time with her eyes. When they take that little bopper thing and bop on your knees to test the reflexes, Kenzie's left leg didn't move at all, but her right leg, you know, kicked just normally. And I asked the neurologist what she was thinking, and the neurologist said, well, it's either a migraine, an epileptic seizure, or a stroke. You may have had a stroke, but you could still be anything and everything you wanted to be. You are more than the stroke. And I think people get so wrapped up in the actual diagnosis that they kind of maybe not forget, but put aside goals or whatever. And the other thing I would say to everybody is that you're not alone. Hello, this is Stroke Stories. I'm Mark Goodyear. Strokes in young children can be harder to diagnose, particularly if they're in the early stages of development. Symptoms to look out for are weakness on one side of the body, facial drooping, speech problems, and headaches. And although stroke can happen to somebody at any age, it's still the case that little is known about childhood stroke. We started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this episode, we hear from Jamie Childs from Tacoma, near Seattle, whose daughter Kenzie suffered a stroke at five years of age. She was a happy, healthy, normal five-year-old who loved to dance. She was on a competition dance team. She enjoyed her preschool. She loved to play. She loved going to the beach. She was just a normal kid, just living life. (laughs) My husband and I were actually both at work, and she was on her pre-K field trip to the pumpkin patch with her pre-K class. So my mom and another child's parent were in the corn maze with the two kids, and, you know, they were running around being happy, and then Kenzie collapsed in the middle of the corn maze. She fell on, like, a bed of corn stalks. And when she fell, she was completely unconsolable. She didn't want to stand. And she was just basically throwing this major fit, which Kenzie very rarely threw a tantrum. So this was totally unlike her. And my mom picked her up. And my mom and the friend, Sarah, basically carried her out of the corn maze And when she was walking out of the corn maze, she was very unsteady on her feet. She was still crying and screaming hysterically. So my dad and my mother decided it was time to take her home. So they took her home. On the way home, she vomited in the car. And then once they got her home, they got her undressed to get her cleaned up. They put her in the bathtub 
and in the bathtub, Kenzie asked my mother if she could lay down. My mom said, sure, and when she laid down on her back, she rolled over to her tummy and, like, started to gurgle water. So my mom grabbed her up by her hair and screamed for my dad. My dad came into the room and got her out of the tub, and they got her dressed, and she says, I'm just so tired, I want to lay down. And so my mom put her to bed, and when she put her to bed, she called my husband. My husband came to my parents' house from work. At that point in time, Kenzie got up, walked to the restroom, went to the bathroom, washed her hands, and my husband, Sean, asked Kenzie if she wanted to go home. And she's like, no, I'm really tired. Can I just wait for mommy? And he said, yes. And she was acting fine. She was coordinated. She was just acting like she was tired. So I had my mom call the consulting nurse, which is like a telephone nurse over here. And the nurse said it was 85% nothing, but 15% said to bring her in and have the doctor take a look at her. The doctor was examining her. She was talking a little slow, but it wasn't really slurred. It was slow and quiet. And she, the doctor had her run up and down the hall, and she did. She ran up and down the hall, totally normal. And he said, I believe it's a concussion. Let's see how she does for the rest of the night and see how she is in the morning. And he sent us home. As the evening wore on, Kenzie's symptoms began to get much worse. When we get home, Kenzie was acting not herself, like a normal kid would when she was sick. We walked into the house and Kenzie tripped. We have one stair going from the garage into our kitchen. And she tripped over that stair. And then she sat down on the floor and was trying to take her rain boots off. And she was having a really hard time. It was like her hands weren't going to where her actual boots were on her feet. Like she was having a hard time with her eyes. So... And, like, she was really super uncoordinated. So my husband bent down and helped her take her boots off and then picked her up and put her on our recliner. I walked in behind them, and I was taking off my jacket. This all happened so fast. <laughs> uh, when I was taking off my jacket, Kenzie vomited again on the chair. And so Sean just scooped her up and ran her into the bathroom and... Uh, I grabbed a towel and went over to the chair, and this vomit was really, really weird. It was like a white foam. There was no smell to it, and I'm like, what is this? I, about the time when I was going to call Sean to come and see this, he said, Jamie, you have to come here. So I ran into the bathroom, and Kenzie was in the tub again, and... He said, Kenzie, can you smile at mommy? And she turned to me and her left side looked like it was swollen, like she had a golf ball or something in her mouth, but nothing on her left side of her face was moving. Her eye wasn't blinking. The left side of her smile wasn't smiling, but her right side was full on smile and 
I looked at Sean and I said, that isn't right. We're taking her in. Once we got to the emergency room, we were in the triage process and the nurse was checking all of her vitals and everything. And I said, excuse me, can you just take a look at something for me real fast? And I said, Kenzie, can you please smile at the nurse? And Kenzie did. And it was that same partial smile. Everything on the right side of her face was working. Nothing on the left side was working. And that nurse turned around and started typing feverishly and hard on her keyboard. And she turns around very calmly and she says, okay, why don't you guys have a seat? We'll be, we'll call your name very shortly. And then another doctor walks in and she's a pediatric neurologist. And she had Kenzie sit up and Kenzie like completely just fell to the left side. She couldn't even sit up. And she went down her leg and is like, was asking Kenzie if she can feel this. And Kenzie would only say she could feel anything on her right leg. She couldn't feel anything on her left. And when they take that little bopper thing and bop on your knees to test the reflexes, Kenzie's left leg didn't move at all, but her right leg, you know, kicked just normally. And I asked the neurologist what she was thinking. And the neurologist said, well, it's either a migraine an epileptic seizure or a stroke. Childhood stroke can be difficult to accurately diagnose. Kenzie had to undergo more tests at the hospital. They took her up to a CT scan and it came back. And the neurologist said, well, it did show a black spot on her brain. Now, CT scans don't see brain matter very well. We're sending her up for an MRI. And so it was about an hour before we got into the MRI and then the MRI took about an hour and a half. And then they told us they were admitting us to the pediatric intensive care unit of Mary Bridge. And it was probably about midnight, close to it, maybe a little thereafter, where the MRI doctor came in and he sat down with Sean and I. And he said, your daughter's had a stroke. The damage is irreversible and there could be a hole in her heart. And he gets up and leaves, and my husband and I are sitting there. There's one nurse in the room, and she's attending to Kenzie. And I'm looking at my daughter, and she is almost coma-like because she's in such a deep sleep. I mean, they were pricking her with needles, and nothing was flinching. She wasn't crying. And she wasn't moving. And they hooked her up to oxygen. They hooked her up to a heart monitor. The cardiac team came in and gave her an ultrasound of her heart. And at that time, they were trying to find where the clot formed and if it traveled through her heart. And it was a pretty rough night. <laughs> After a short stay at her local hospital, Kenzie was moved to a specialist unit in Seattle. We were at Mary Bridge Children's Hospital for exactly a week. We went in on a Friday and we were discharged on Friday, but we were only discharged that next Friday because they were entering us to Seattle Children's. The Tuesday following her stroke, Dr. Catherine Amley Lafon from Seattle Children's was notified about Kenzie's stroke. She specializes in neurovascular 
stuff. So she's like the top doc in the Northwest for pediatric strokes. And once we got to Seattle Children's, Dr. Emily LaFond walked into our room and she sat down with us and we had like an hour long conversation. She asked us a whole bunch of questions. We asked her a whole lot of questions. And one of the first ones I asked was, okay, so the doctor at Mary Bridge told us that the damage is irreversible. Is that true? She said, well, it is true, but not the way you're thinking it. And she proceeded to tell us that the damage to her brain is irreversible. You know, you don't make new brain matter. The brain doesn't heal. But she said that with kids with strokes, they're very resilient. And because all the connections in our brain are hardwired as an adult, the kids' brains, they're all continually making new connections. And she said, we see some remarkable recoveries with kids that have stroke. So although the damage to her brain is irreversible, it's not going to determine the outcome of her life. It was the beginning of a long road to recovery for Kenzie, but Jamie and her husband, Sean, were with her every step of the way. Kenzie had a team of physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, education specialists, psychologists, her neurologists, the rehabilitative unit doctors who run the rehabilitation unit. She probably had 25 specialists and Seattle Children's made us feel like we were vital to her recovery. We went to the meetings with the care team. We really felt like Seattle Children's was giving us a chance as parents to help in whatever way we could with our daughter's recovery. Like we had a little bit of control over the situation of what's going on with our daughter. Not that we had much, but as long as we were part of the journey, we were able to make choices on behalf of our daughter that we thought would be best for our daughter. She was in therapies probably eight to 10 hours a day, six days a week. They were doing everything. They were, OT was helping her to learn how to get dressed with the left-sided weakness. PT was helping her get up and walking and Every day, we just keep seeing improvements with her. She was at Seattle Children's for about three and a half weeks, so just about a month. And then we were discharged from Seattle Children's to home. And then we started outpatient rehabilitation. So we did physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapies one hour a week for about a year after her stroke. About the year mark, we took physical therapy down to every two weeks and occupational therapy. When she started school, we were able to get an IEP with occupational therapy as part of that plan. So she's getting OT every two weeks to this day. Having a stroke at such a young age is a truly frightening experience, both for the child 
and their family. But Kenzie was incredibly brave throughout, and her mum, Jamie, never lost hope in the possibility of recovery. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Jamie reveals an unlikely source of support for Kenzie. So we went down to this Pilates studio on Saturday, and she worked with Kenzie, and like at this point, Kenzie wasn't able to grab onto a bar and hold herself up. Everything on the left side was about a quarter of what the right was. And so she's like, I really think I can help her. I want to have her in private lessons because some of the Pilates machines are kind of intimidating. And I want to be able to work one-on-one with her with no distractions. And so she started Pilates in January of the year following her stroke. And we've been doing it ever since. And she talks about her mission to raise awareness. We were asked to speak last year at the Pediatric Stroke Warriors Fundraising Gala. And so we were the family speaker. And now it's like, how do you thank all these doctors and nurses who spent all this time helping your child? So it's kind of overwhelming. You know, we do the best we can. Seattle Children's asked if they could use Kenzie's story as part of their fundraising campaign. And we were like, absolutely, please do, because not only does it help you, it benefits us in raising awareness for pediatric stroke. Let's hear how Kenzie's love of dance helped her recovery. When she was at Seattle Children's, all she wanted to do was dance around and go back to her dance. She would cry at night. When can I go back to the studio? I want to see my friends. Her friends would come and visit, and we had massive support from her dance studio through this whole process. So when we were discharged from Seattle Children's, it was about the time for the dance studio's Christmas party. So we took her to that so she could see all of her friends. It was just such a whirlwind. We're standing there, and people are coming up to us and hugging us and asking all sorts of questions. And so both of us were into some conversations and we turned around and Kenzie wasn't standing right beside us. Well, she had gone into one of the dance studios and started dancing with her friends that were in there. And my husband looked at me and he said, we got to get her back to dancing. So in December, she started back at dance. Her left side was still very weak And it's amazing how you think the arm and leg, it's just natural for you to support yourself with your legs. Well, it didn't want to. And so she struggled a bit with dance and it made us really question what we should be doing. The dance studio and the director, Sherry, was incredibly supportive. And I remember sitting there one day and watching Kenzie struggle to balance and hold herself up on one leg, I was like, I wonder if there's something else I could give her as a tool to help her. And so one of the other moms was like, well, you should try Pilates. So I went home that night and I discussed it with Sean. And so I called this Pilates studio and I explained, look, I have a five-year-old child who just had a stroke who danced before stroke and wants to dance now. And uh, this person gave me your name and said, you might be able to help me. And she goes, why don't you bring her in this Saturday? And I will see if I will be able to help her. I do a lot of the dance girls in the area. And 
I would love to help if I can. And I said, okay. So we went down to this Pilates studio on Saturday and she worked with Kenzie. And like at this point, Kenzie wasn't able to grab onto a bar and hold herself up. Everything on the left side was about a quarter of what the right was. And so she's like, I really think I can help her. I want to have her in private lessons because some of the Pilates machines are kind of intimidating. And I want to be able to work one-on-one -on -one with her with no distractions. And so she started Pilates in January of the year following her stroke. And we've been doing it ever since. So on top of her school, which is full-time kindergarten over here, she was in her dance classes and Pilates and her therapies. So we literally go from four o'clock in the morning till about eight o'clock at night. <laughs> and her journey has been remarkable. I would have never thought when that first doctor said her damage is irreversible that we would be where we are at today. Dance has helped her with her recovery quite a bit. I want to say probably 75% because it's the music. It's staring at herself in the mirror and making sure lefty matches righty. It's just the whole body movement and to her, it's fun. It's what she loves to do. My husband and I think of it as an additional form of therapy. And her gymnastics gives her the flexibility that she needs so her muscles don't kind of atrophy on the, the left side. And, I mean, she's a miracle. From the start, Jamie and Sean have been honest and open with their daughter about what happened to her. There was one night in the hospital where she woke up and was like crying and the nurse asked her what was wrong and she said I want my mommy and so the nurse came and woke me up because it was like three o'clock in the morning and I woke up and went to her and she says mommy I'm so scared I said it's okay to be scared we're all scared right now but we're gonna do this together and you're so strong you'll be able to get through anything and she's like what happened I said, well, you had a stroke. And she's like, well, what's that? And so the nurse was actually watching this whole thing and she was in tears and she came over and she goes, well, you know how when you drink through a straw and sometimes one of the sprinkles in your milkshake gets stuck in the straw and you can't get any milkshake out of the straw? And Kenzie's like, yeah. And she goes, that's kind of what one of your blood vessels did. And when the blood didn't get to your head, it burst in your head. And that's what caused you to have a stroke. And Kenzie's like, well, I don't want another one. <laughs> because she had the stroke at such a young age, the full extent of its consequences for Kenzie aren't completely clear. Her stroke damaged like the emotional control center of her brain. And her damage is very minimal. It's about the size of a half dollar in her brain. So she still has a lot of usable brain. And because that spot was so small, the doctors were like, I believe that the connections, the neurons can kind of jump over that area and still kind of connect. And so her memory is off the charts. She remembers everything. 
school-wise, reading is really good still. She loves math and is right on course with the standardized testings for math. Of course, the stuff that she has problems with is the motor control kind of things. But because she is right-handed and her weakness is on the left hand, she's still able to write. It really hasn't affected her school-wise yet. But part of our training in Seattle Children's to take care of her is knowing that we don't know exactly what the future holds with her. Jamie is now fully committed to raising more awareness around childhood stroke. We had a newspaper come out and do an article on her. We had a local TV station come out and do a a segment on her and her dancing before they went to nationals last year. We are part of Pediatric Stroke Warriors, which is a nonprofit organization founded by a woman whose daughter had a stroke in Yurduro, and she didn't have any resources or anything when her daughter went through it. So she created Pediatric Stroke Warriors to one, raise awareness, and to two, let parents of these children who are overcoming stroke to know that they're not alone. And that in itself is pretty powerful because you really feel alone because you never hear about a child having a stroke. So we've been making the most of our resources. We were asked to speak last year at the Pediatric Stroke Warriors fundraising gala. And so we were the family speaker. And now it's like, how do you thank all these doctors and nurses who spent all this time helping your child? So it's kind of overwhelming. You know, we do the best we can. Seattle Children's asked if they could use Kenzie's story as part of their fundraising campaign. And we were like, absolutely, please do. Because not only does it help you, it benefits us in raising awareness for pediatric stroke. And that's a big part of life right now. And finally, Jamie's advice to stroke survivors is not to let the stroke define who you are. You may have had a stroke but you could still be anything and everything you wanted to be. You are more than the stroke. And I think people get so wrapped up in the actual diagnosis that they kind of maybe not forget, but put aside goals or whatever. And the other thing I would say to everybody is that you're not alone. I found great support in stroke support Facebook pages or Facebook groups. There's Pediatric Stroke Warriors has been a blessing to me in more ways than one. You know, it's a lot to balance work, her school, her dance, her therapies, her medical appointments. It's so important for you as a caregiver not to get lost in Like for me, it's my daughter, not to get lost in my daughter. My daughter is my life. She's my number one next to my husband. But I still have to have time for me. I still need to take care of myself. I still need to find things that give me joy that maybe don't include her. (laughs) Date nights. are very far in between, but they're still important to do. And it's a little more difficult because Kenzie's does require a little bit more care now. She does require 
a little more attention than she did before because of her stroke. Being able to trust people without having to constantly worry, oh, did they give her the aspirin she needs today? Did they make sure she gets enough water because she still has the constipation issues because of her bowels on her left side? You know, water is very important. Not that it isn't for everyone, but more so for her. The aspirin is extremely important for her. And you have to find your team, find your group that will be able to assist you. Kenzie is back dancing and making great progress at school. And her amazing recovery is down to the constant support of her parents, Jamie and Sean, and of the Seattle medical professionals, who made sure that her recovery regime was just right for her. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I say to her, Mum, my head hurts, and then I just stop moving, and then I remember the man taking me into the ambulance and going off to the hospital. Remember, no matter where you get your podcasts, subscribe to Stroke Stories, and please rate and comment on the episodes that you hear, so that will help us spread the word. The Stroke Association website also has plenty of resource if you'd like to find out more about stroke. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.